Now my final pre before we go home. <laughs> Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. It's a bird. It's a plane. Everyone my age and older said it's... Yeah, you just confirmed the problem. Maybe it's um, more like geriatric man. Because you see, Superman, in case you haven't noticed, has been superseded. I was telling the young people over at, uh, at Seeds that when I was young and I got home from school, I couldn't wait to turn the television on and tune into my one hero, was Superman. But in case you haven't noticed, he has been superseded by a multiplicity of heroes. In the Marvel franchise alone, You've got Iron Man, you've got Thor, you've got Doctor Strange, you've got Captain Marvel, and my favourite, Captain America. <laughs> I look into the mirror, and I see Captain America, before he took the serum, when he was weak and pathetic, by the way, in case you haven't watched it. But listen, it's interesting, the number of superheroes that abound right now and how they leap from uh, this universe into a kind of parallel universe or in some case, cases universes. And I ask myself, what is this obsession with superheroes? Why are we so obsessed with the idea that there are superheroes at all, let alone the numbers of superheroes. And I want to suggest to you that deep down, I do believe it's because we believe that there is a superhero. There is someone who can save us. Deep down, whether people go to church or not, I think deep down they really get a hint that there is a saviour. For me, his name is Jesus. But more than that, I think there is a hint that there's an alternative reality that there is a kind of parallel universe going on Matthew read to us Matthew makes sense chapter 13 and in chapter 13 Jesus tells a whole lot of things called stories called parables and when he told parables he wasn't sort of telling stories to warm our hearts with a kind of moral lesson associated with them like a kind of Aesop's fable or something like that. He wasn't telling parables for some kind of moral lesson. Every single one of his parables is explicitly linked to a parallel universe. Every single one. Another world. See, in this world, it's, it's like it's a party for the rich. It's a party for the celebrities. It's a party for the influential. Jesus tells about an alternative universe where there's a party for the poor, the oppressed and the hurting and the broken. Parable of the feast. In this world, we are told at school and university and everywhere else that there is no absolute truth, that, you know, you have your little truth and I have mine and everybody has theirs and ultimately there is no absolute truth. This parallel universe, Jesus tells a parable about the sower, where the word is absolute truth and it's our and on us to accept it and receive it or reject it. 
This world, life is to the powerful. The alternative universe, it is to the small. It's the parable of the mustard seed. This world is a, a trajectory. It's a story of decay. The alternative universe, it's a story of continual growth. It's a parable of the yeast. And I want to say to you, in this alternative universe was not concocted special effects studio. This alternative universe is called the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is speaking about when he tells the parable, of the, what we've traditionally called the pearl of great price. He says there's a businessman, a, a, a pearl merchant, and he's looking for pearls. Uh, he's, he's a typical business person who's looking for the big break. Most business people I've ever met are always waiting for that one thing that's going to be the big breakthrough, you know? It's going to bring them billions of dollars and make their lives great. He was like that, and it says in the story that he kept looking and looking and eventually found pearl that was beyond any other pearl. It says there he sold not only the pearls that he already had, but he sold everything had so he could buy that one pearl. I want to tell you something. When Jesus tells his story, he is telling us what the kingdom of God is like. It's what kingdom people do when he talks about that. It says, says that he was looking. And when the Bible says, when he told that story, he said looking, he doesn't just mean kind of having a cursory glance. The Greek word is Zetio, Z-E-T-E-O. And it says that when he was looking, he was earnestly, really looking. How of you know that there's looking and there's looking? The other day, my wife, Kay, she's not here tonight, but she said, can you go to the fridge and get the yogurt? So I went to the fridge and looked at the top shelf and I looked at the middle shelf and I looked at the bottom shelf I got desperate and looked in the crisper <laughs> and the cheese compartment. Couldn't find anything. I went back and I said to her, can't find the yogurt. And she looked at me with one of those looks. She said, I had a man look. You've heard of a man cold, which I never have, by the way. She said, you had a man look. There's looking and there's looking. And see, in, the, in Matthew 13, Jesus says, if you listened to what was read... He says, you see, you do not see. Now, so that's kind of an interesting thing. We, we need, what he's saying is we need to grow in our attention. We need to, to look more. In Doctor Strange, which is another really interesting movie. Anyone seen Doctor Strange? Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch plays the, the, the hero. And at one time in Doctor Strange, he's looking for wisdom. And he finds wisdom in an elderly woman, and she says to him, you know your problem, Dr. Strange, is that you looking, you are looking at life through a keyhole, a little keyhole. You need, Dr. Strange, to see more. And the more you see, the more you know. We need to look, you and I, we need to open our eyes and see. The songs we've been singing tonight have been talking about that. You know, neuroscientists talk about a thing called attentional capacity. And what they say is that 
when we're confronted with a person or a situation, sensory organs take in. Now, listen to this. They take in, in one second, they take in 16 million bits of information. When I stood up here tonight and you looked at me, your brain went crazy. <laughs> 16 million. And you know what else they say? They, you, that you are conscious of 11. I tell you tonight, you have room for improvement. 16 million. And we're conscious of 11. The point being, we need to grow in our awareness. We need to see more. You know, when we pray, we pray tonight. When we pray, we're not just putting up our requests to God. Just got our shopping list. Growing our God-given attention. Catholic mystic um, Simone V, W-E-I-L, she said, I think something that really matters, she said, prayer is coming to attention. I thought, man, I was always told that prayer is closing your eyes, bowing your head and making sure you can't see anybody or anything. Nothing wrong with that. Man, when we pray, I believe the Holy Spirit does something. We become more aware of something, of what's going on. When we worship, we're not just singing a bunch of songs. I love the worship tonight. When we worship, God's doing something in our lives, true? We're seeing stuff. So there's this businessman, and it says that he's really Zatio. He's really looking. He's looking. And then it says, finds the pearl, great price. And it says then, what did he do? He sells everything. Someone said to me once, Christians don't see different things. They see things differently. I was in Amsterdam a few years ago, on the y, and I was visiting the YWAM base. Amsterdam's an interesting city. It's sort of ever been there there's kind of two halves to it one's really beautiful and one's really sordid the red light district this, I, I, I was meeting with a woman 40 years old who was sitting in a church just like this and God spoke to her and says you've got to go to Amsterdam and minister to the prostitutes in Amsterdam and she had an amazing ministry she set up relationships with these victims of a system that's just terrible I met with this lady and I was talking to her and I wanted to ask a bit about her ministry and stuff. And I don't know if you've ever asked a question and thought, I wish I could have asked it differently in retrospect. But I said to her, what's it like working with the street girls in the red light district? She looked at me. She said this. She said, I don't see street girls. I see children of God. She said, I don't call it the red light district. She said, I call it the promised land. I thought, I need to expand my attentional capacity. I need to see more. I need to see what God wants me to see. I need to see the alternative reality. It says that he sold, he was so impacted by this thing. He saw something so magnificent, so incredible. He sold everything. I think to myself, if I'd been there that day and I'd saw that pill, I don't think I'd have noticed it was that special. He was really seeing. 
something. Now, when you see, kingdom people see things. Two things I want to mention tonight. One is that when he saw and bought that pearl, it changed the trajectory of his life. It changed his pathway. He looked at life differently and he was going to a different place. When he was looking at the trajectory of his life and where he was going, it changed where he was. Because he knew where he was going. He made changes exactly. He saw things differently. He saw himself differently. He sold everything he had. Stuff that he thought was really valuable. Selling. He saw something. Things that we need to see tonight. I'm praying to God that you would see this. You know, there's a psalm. Psalm 119, 105. It says this. God, your your lamp is a light unto my feet, a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet is where I am now. A light to my path is where I'm going. People who see the kingdom, they see where they're going. We live according to a lie in this world. And it kind of goes like this. Your job in life is to get born, and that wasn't that hard. Grow up, get an education, do something with your life, retire and die, and a few years later, no one will remember you. That's the trajectory that was sold. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into this world and he taught us about a different trajectory. True? True? There's a different trajectory. There's a different path. And do you know, humanists always try and reduce that trajectory, something the old one. And they'll say this, they can't debate the existence of Jesus Christ. It, it is historically true as about anything in history. And so what they say is that there was this kid born in poverty who came up with a few ideas while he was in his dad's carpentry shop. And those ideas were radical and he challenges the status quo. And so they nail him to a cross as a martyr. That's it. That's one trajectory. You know, in one sense, no different an end point than any of us. Jesus showed us a different trajectory because he didn't just get nailed to a cross. Three days later, he rose again. And not just that, because he didn't just rise again so that we could admire this amazing superhero who rose again. A few days later, 40 days later, appeared to his disciples. Watch. Comes Acts chapter 1. Luke writes about it. And he appears to his disciples, and I tell you, you have never seen stranger things in this. And in fact, Luke draws on every metaphor that he can think of to describe what happens. Because in a moment that you would describe as a miracle, the resurrected Christ before their very eyes went from this space-time-matter-universe to another. Not only rose from the dead, he ascended the right hand of the Father, the throne of grace. And at that point, the entire universe, the whole kingdom, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. No wonder Jesus said, blessed are your eyes when they see. But the good news is this, because he did that, not only according to Paul in Ephesians 2, did he rise from the dead? But Paul said, we are raised with him. What does that mean? It means my trajectory is not to nothingness. Cross wasn't, to use another Marvel term, the end game. 
have a future. Kingdom people know where they're going. They know the day will come when they will go to glory. They know the day will come when they, they will meet Father in heaven. It's like going from one room to another in the beautiful mansion of God. That is a different trajectory. And let me tell you this, that future makes a massive difference. The present. True? When I know and have that assurance, as I do, I know that it makes a difference to me right now in all kinds of ways. I may be going through bad stuff. I may be in pain, but I know the day will come when there is no more pain. How many of you know? Sometimes bad stuff happens. It's kind of funny. I was looking, I've got Foxtel, and I was looking at the Christian channels, which is always a little bit risky. <laughs> and uh, there was a preacher there, and I, I don't want to, he said so many good things. He said, if you believe in Jesus, you will be prosperous. You will be wealthy. And he actually said this, you will not age. I looked at him, I thought, you look pretty old to me. <laughs> not my theology. That's not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach us that somehow God plucks us out of anything that's difficult or challenging. And some of you tonight, you're going through difficult stuff. You're confused. You might be wondering about what your future is. Broken relationships, hurt and pain. i got to tell you, when you understand your pathway, you know that all of that stuff is transient and the day will come when you will see Jesus face to face. But more than that even, the Bible doesn't just teach us that we have to wait to be resurrected. Do you know that? Being resurrected now. I love that song some of people are singing. I think it's a Hillsong song. It says this, no, you may have sung it here, I don't know, but it says the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Isn't that incredible? No matter what I'm going through, no matter what you're going through, you are being resurrected if you are in Jesus Christ. Is that good news or what? Do you know, I was um, going through my um, cellar. We have a cellar and we store stuff in it, heaps of stuff, and after my parents died, we, we put all the stuff in the cellar. And uh, some time ago, I was going through the cellar and rummaging around and looking at old stuff. And I found my year six report. I still have it. I've talked about this in various places, and sometimes I actually hold up the report, but it's actually falling apart. It's so old. Yes, I am aging. Uh, and I read it, and it was from my year six teacher. And I actually remembered what happened, and I remembered all about it. But she wrote this report, and the first line on it said this. Craig is the first line. Craig is a disappointment. That was the first line. The second said this to my parents, and I am sure that he is a disappointment to you too. True. And then I sat there in that cellar, and I began to think of my life. And do you know... I wore that for a long time. I had across the window of my mind years of disappointment. Even after I became a Christian, became a Christian at the age of 17, I still had this, I still couldn't come to grips that I was anything other than what I'd been classified all those years ago. I knew my Jesus was my saviour, saved me from my sins. Then, in about mid-80s, 
discovered something called the kingdom of God. Discovered that Jesus wasn't just my saviour. He was my king. Why did that matter? Because I saw something I hadn't seen before. I saw that I was a son of the king, child of God. And suddenly, it wasn't disappointment written across my window. It was child of God. And I want to tell you something. Jesus is resurrecting me. I'm on a trajectory towards something better and better and better. Prayer tonight is that you would see something. I'm going to sing a song in a minute. I've got a line in it that says this. I can see you now raising broken disappointments for life. How cool is that? Great line. See, I'm not the only one that's had stuff written across my window. You have too. How you see yourself, whether it's a failure or a loser or whatever, I don't know. But in God's eyes, you're a child of God, a son of the king, a daughter of the king, a prince, a princess of God. How cool is that? Oh, have you seen the pearl of great price? Have you seen it? Let's uh, invite the musicians up and let's just come before God and, and continue to pray that we might see the kingdom pearl of great price the kingdom of God let's stand together let's stand together shall we and just as the just as we do stand together I want you to know something and I want you to see it more than I've wanted anyone in this room to see it before I want you to see the kingdom I want to see the pearl of great price. I believe that's what God wants us to see. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray for each person here tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And Lord, I know there may be someone here who, who wouldn't call themselves a Christian. Who's yet to come to a saving faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray right now through your Holy Spirit that you would move in that person. I thank, that you, thank you that your Holy Spirit comes. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move in the heart of those people tonight. And Lord, there are those of us who have been Christians maybe for a short time, maybe for a long time. Lord, we've kind of know our sins are forgiven but Lord I pray that we would see too that you have a pathway for us to walk in Lord if there's one person here tonight who's not seen the pearl of great price the kingdom of God I pray they'd see it tonight why don't you in your heart and mind just pray right now where you stand pray Lord show me your kingdom I want to see come Holy Spirit come now in Jesus name I pray
just pray that prayer in your own heart and mind. If you've never prayed it before, or if you're praying it for the 100th time, Lord, let me see. Let me see you. And let me see me in the light of you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.